So Money Episode 444, Angie Martinez, the voice of New York. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. bit for work and I kind of love swiping my business credit card on the road because I imagine all the tax deductions I'm racking up. And allowing me now to indulge in my tax nerdiness is our latest sponsor, FreshBooks, a cloud-based accounting software for entrepreneurs and small businesses. FreshBooks makes it easy to run your business. Keeping track of those business receipts is as easy as taking a picture. You can even link your FreshBooks account to your credit and debit cards. So next time you expense at lunch or cab ride, it'll show up immediately in your FreshBooks account. And with FreshBooks time tracking feature, you can track your time either from your phone or your desktop. So check it out for yourself. For a 30-day unrestricted free trial, go to freshbooks.com slash so money and enter so money podcast in the how did you hear about us section. They also have award-winning customer support that lets you talk to a real live person. So they have your back when you have questions. That's freshbooks.com slash so money and enter so money podcast in the how did you hear about us section listening to So Money. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. And now it is Monday. And I wanted to kick off the week with a really vibrant and inspiring and fun interview. And many of you may already know this person. You may have heard her voice regularly. She is the voice of New York. And her afternoon radio show has been consistently ranking number one with more young listeners than any other radio program in the country. Angie Martinez is here on So Money. She's got over 20 years of experience in the industry. She's also an author, an actress, a TV host, and a former rapper. Did you know that? She's worked alongside President Obama and some of the media industry's biggest power players, including Jay-Z, Beyonce, Naomi Campbell, just to name a few. Last summer, Angie made the switch to iHeartMedia, where she began the Angie Martinez show on New York's Power 105.1 weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. and on Miami's The Beat 103.5 middays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. She's also got her own healthy living website, because why not, you know? You're so busy. Just add one more thing to the mix. It's called Healthy Latin Eating. She also has a cookbook under the same name. And just this past May, she released her memoir, My Voice, which recounts her story of how she became a multimedia icon in the world of entertainment. Don't we want to learn from her? I certainly do. And in our conversation, you're going to hear this, we're going to talk about some of the most fascinating pages from her book in life, including how she started as a radio intern way back when making, get this, $3 an hour. $3? Is that legal? And how did she work her way up the ladder exactly? Angie's had her fair share of financial foils mess-ups, including getting evicted and not just once, and how she managed to negotiate a more lucrative contract following her maternity leave. This was so great to hear because I think often women are fearful of maternity leave. We're afraid of, in in some ways we look forward to it, but in other ways we're worried that we're going to be out of the workforce, we're going to be seen as irrelevant when we get back, they've replaced us. And Angie has a much more optimistic story to share and uh, 
a really important one for all of us to hear. Here we go. Here's Angie Martinez. Angie Martinez, welcome to So Money. It's I, I'm getting goosebumps listening to your voice. Stop it, Barnoops. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like you, so you're the voice of New York, which mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you're tired of hearing that ever. No, I've never get tired of hearing anything with that that comes from a good place. Yes, <laughs> like, definitely a good tired. place. Your mm-hmm. memoir, though, Angie, is called My Voice. So you yeah. wanted to make a distinction. So you've been heralded as the voice of New York, but you really wanted to make the distinction in this book that this is now your turn to bring to the world and to the forefront my voice. What's the differentiation you wanted to make? Well, the thing is, is that, you know, the voice of New York is what people call me on the radio. So it's like, that's like my, you know, my New York radio persona. But the truth is this book is like far more than that. I mean, I've had an amazing radio career, but it's not just been my career. It's been the things that I've learned throughout my career and being, you know, I was 18 when I started in radio. So I was finding myself and, 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 I grew up there. So I kind of found my own voice while I was on the radio already. So the book is not so much just about my career. It's really like, you know, me coming of age, me understanding the power of my voice and, um, you know, and finding my own voice. So it's really not just, you know, it's not just a nod to, to what I do on the radio. When you started in radio as an intern, do you remember what you what was going through your mind as an 18 year old as far as achieving all that you wanted to achieve and what were you telling yourself at, at 18 that got you to the next level i wish i was that I, 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 like um i conscious? wish i was yeah i wish i was that <laughs> conscious or i wish i had that uh, even a, in an agenda or i didn't even know my purpose at 18 i mean i i was in love with hip hop i i really liked the energy at the radio station and thought there be, could be something cool to learn here and and this is what i learned about writing my memoir when i kind of when you look at when i look at my life and my story and in my career it's like I think I'm just somebody that shows up for opportunity, especially when I feel connected to it. So when I first started, I'm 18, I'm driving the vans, I'm working on the street team, I'm getting coffee, I'm, you know, $3 an hour. I just was happy to be there and I wanted to learn as much as I could. And I, and you know, I happened to be at a radio station that was the first full-time hip hop radio station and I was in love with the culture. And $3 so, an hour. Is that allowed? <laughs> it was back then. It was back then. Oh my gosh. Are you dating yourself a little bit? I am totally dating myself. And, uh, it's, this is all facts. Um, but I think I was just, you know, I, I was just, I was young and I, and I was presented with opportunity and I, and I really just worked on passion and I just really worked on connection. There was no, you know, like big plan of my future. I didn't even know for sure what that would be. So it was kind of like, I found myself, I found my career, I found my calling. I found what I was connected to while it was happening. Um, and so you know, it's different from somebody who goes to college and studies, a, a, you know, something specific and then goes out to pursue that. I kind of I mean, I'm not I, I'm not negating the fact that I did work hard for everything and I did see opportunity and I, you know, and I and I jumped at it every at every at every chance. Um, but it wasn't that calculated, hmm. you know. But yeah. I think what you're saying really speaks to the the passion, but also the willingness to just do whatever you had to do. You just found an industry you were fortunate that you really loved, that you clicked with. And I remember hearing, you know, sometimes there are stories about celebrities, actors. How did you make it in Hollywood? Well, honestly, I just loved film so much. I would have been happy picking up trash 
in, yeah. in the studios. It didn't yeah. matter what the role was. I wanted to be in that environment. But how did you know even that that was something like, how are you drawn to radio and hip hop? Well, the radio, my mom was in radio, right? So she, so she, I grew up watching her like, she was a program director. She wasn't on air. Um, but I grew up being around that environment somewhat. And, and, um, and so when I was 16, I started interning at the, at the radio station. You know, I call it an intern. It was probably, you know, it wasn't an official intern. I just kind of was helping out around the station that she worked at. Um, and then when I turned 18, I, I applied for one at, at the radio station of the genre that I was more interested in. Um, and it was just, it, you know, it was just, like any 18 year old would apply for kind of a part-time job. Like this would be kind of cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, it was like, right. it was that type of thing, but the music is separate, you know, radio. It's like hip hop and the culture of that. And the music is separate from radio. So radio was something I was interested in, but hip hop was something that even as a kid, and I really, I really talk about the connection with this music um, and this culture and how I come to find, find it. I mean, I was a kid and, you know, first heard like Sugar Hill Gang and 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 my whole life, I, I could tell you like a hip hop song that connects to almost every moment in my life. Um, and I just really felt connected to the, the music and the honesty of it and um, and the voice, honestly, that it has that's separate from any other mm-hmm genre of music what about so, the criticism that hip-hop gets you know that it's unfair to women that it it promotes crime i mean there's there that's in all sorts of music but but how how did you address that in your work you know i i, I don't hear it that way i do hear i do hear some of that but i i hear so many other messages in it too and the truth is is that you know where the music comes from it, that world is not perfect that world is flawed and that were you know and and people that you know of the culture don't come that you know there's there's problems <laughs> and so it's kind of like it, it's the argument of it's like are we are we rapping or are we making music about what we see every day or are mm-hmm. we promoting it um but the music is honest and and it's you know provocative and i really do feel like when it's at its best it's honest and it makes people look at things um, in in a different way. I remember growing up in New York and hearing like this West Coast rap and having a full understanding of what, you know, what life was on the West side, you know, like it mm-hmm. opened my eyes to a different place. And, it, it, you know, I think hip hop, when it's at its purest form and it's most honest, it's, it's really powerful. What about hip hop today? I just actually followed around Lior Cohen for yeah. uh, CNBC's uh, show, Follow the Leader, and um, Young Thug was his is his latest uh, right. client. I mean, so comparing the the, the hip hop artists of today to the ones maybe from the '90s, do you feel like hip hop still has it, and does it still represent uh, the rawness of the culture? You know, some some artists more so than others, but it will always have it. It always has a voice. And I think that voice is forever evolving. I mean, even as I've, you know, come up in the culture, I, I've seen so many different phases and variations of it. And it it's like anything else. It, it evolves, it changes, it, it, it morphs into different things and trends and, you know, uh, and I think, 
Yeah, but I think it's always going to have it. I think it's always going to be there. I don't, you know, I remember starting a radio and I remember the radio, you know, the radio station I worked at was a dance station that turned into the first full-time ever hip-hop station. And I remember one of the DJs telling me, you know, it's just a fad. It's never going to last. Hmm. Wow. And even, and even as a kid, man, even as 19, I and I respected him so much because he was, you know, this on-air jock and he was cool. And But even at 19, I remember looking at him like, wow, he doesn't get it. Hmm. You know, I, I, yeah. I knew I, you know, I had that I had that connection to it and I knew. But, um, you know, they've been saying that since it started, that it was kind of like a phase. It was gonna, but it still has it. It's still here. It's still, you know, it's always going to be here. Absolutely. Going back to your career, as mm-hmm. you were rising the ranks, did you feel that it was important to have mentors and not just mentors, but sponsors, like people who really vouched for you? Um, how important was that in your in your career? Um, really important. Um, you know, I had, and, and people always, you know, I was really lucky. My general manager was a woman, this little, 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 like four feet, 11 dynamo. Um, and my program director was a woman. <laughs> um, and so I had really great women role models, like right under my roof, um, that were really supportive of me. And so I was lucky in that sense, because that's not the norm, especially in the radio world. Um, it's a little better now, but then it was like not the norm. Um, and so even their support and even in their belief, you know, I was, you know, like a part time. I worked in every department that included helping my general manager at the time. And I remember her telling me that, you know, she thought I could, you know, I think you could be OK on the radio one day or decent. I think the word was the word she used. And even her kind of like looking at me with those eyes gave me um, I don't know. It just gave me like uh, a vision for something that could maybe be, you know, so just their support and, and their um, belief in me was, was really important for me, especially at the beginning when I thought, I, you know, this is a career that I, you know, I don't even know if this is something I could do. Um, yeah. I mean, but- in some ways you were thrusted into this at a young age. And so curious to know, Angie, what did you learn the hard way as you were developing your voice on the air? You're, yeah. gro- you're growing up on the air, literally. I mean, I know it's, so crazy. <laughs> it's like that's kind of a scary thing to be live on the air, voicing, uh, trying to represent a community, but at the same time being true to yourself. How did you navigate all of that? Well, I did it strictly on passion. I mean, I was somebody who loved, like I said, I loved the culture. I loved the music. I was a kid who knew every word to every rap song. So I think the honesty in that is what is what carried me at the beginning. So I nobody ever taught me how to do an interview. I just kind of was like on this hip hop radio station that was launching, and then all of a sudden we were booking artists, and they'd come in, and I and I was I knew the culture so well that I could just have these conversations, and it and I just learned to build from there. I learned what worked, what didn't work, what you know. Um, what felt good in conversation, what didn't feel good. You know what I mean? I really learned on the job how to do that. Um, I think for me, I think for me, it took a long time in finding my own voice to realize that you really have to be in every moment. You know, you really have to, there's so much noise around and it's, it's easy to like have an agenda. <laughs> you know, what I mean? It's really easy to have, um, when somebody comes in and sits across from you, you know, you, you have this notion of like, this is what everybody wants to know. Or you have this notion of this is what I think they should be saying today. And then you lead this conversation. And I really find I have the best conversations when I'm just kind of like open to to the, the moment and the conversation. Um, so it took me some time to kind of develop that. Um, and I think in terms of mistakes, 
I think for me, it, it had a lot to do with just confidence and trust in my own voice and, and feeling like, um, you know, that I actually had something to say, you know, it takes time. It takes, like you said, at 22, you know, you, it's an you art. Know. I, I, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, how do I, sometimes I have a big interview, like even today, I'm like, how am I going to break the ice with Angie? Yo, <laughs> how, so much, how am I going to like get really? her to that's feel comfortable? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's important to me. I want to feel like whoever I'm interviewing feels, I want to get obviously a good interview out of it and make sure that, you know, it's, it's an interesting interview, but mostly I just want that person to trust me and feel comfortable so that we can go places where maybe, um, another interviewer can't because that's the beauty though. That's the art Then you have it right there. Like that's what it's all about. And I think it took me a long time to find that also. And even sometimes if it's an artist, maybe that I'm not that familiar with, or maybe if it's like, you know, I have some sort of thought about what everybody wants to hear. So I'm kind of focused on getting that question in. It's not that great of an interview. It's always better when I'm in the moment and have a real conversation with somebody and really get to know somebody, like you said, and you build that trust and you have an honest conversation. Like that's when it feels right. That's when, you know, something's like cooking. Yes. Yes. Well, (laughs) so so this show is a lot about money. It's called So Money. And oh, I wish I could talk to you every day. Really? I'm happy to. (laughs) Can you be my uh, advisor, my personal advisor? Well, you know what? Let's do like a two minute like money call in every day on your show. That would be fun. Well, Um, if you read, you know, there's definitely parts of my book where I talk about some of my challenges there because, you know, coming of age and then all of a sudden doing well and all of a sudden having having some money and being around people who are flashy. Mm-hmm. I've made many mistakes. I, I was evicted twice in my 20s while I was in primetime radio. <laughs> Whoa. In yeah, New York. I, so what? I needed, so let's. Start. I needed you then. I yeah. needed you then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's never too late. I'm here now. Okay. Well, um, and clearly, well, you. you know, you you live to see that the other side of that. Yeah. Um, thank God. Yeah. Um. But what would you say, Angie, is your money mantra? Like, do you have a financial philosophy that you've developed over the years? Well, this is what I'm working on currently. I'm working currently on paying myself first. And making sure that the moment or the things that are going around don't lead how I spend my money. Because, you know, sometimes you get in this whirlwind of like, I want to travel now or I want to uh, I, sh- I need to be in L.A. more. And then you just start like, living in the moment and spending that money in the moment as opposed to like having a plan for how you should spend spend your money. Um, so I um, I'm, I'm being more careful. I'm also. um like I said, I'm paying myself first. So I'm making sure that that happens first. And well, then, what was the wake up call? Do you feel like you don't have enough for retirement and that kind of scared you? Um, well, the wake up call for me was in my 20s. Like I said, I'm, you know, literally like I'm on the radio. I'm probably like I'm having a, you know, I've reached a certain level where I would walk around the streets and people knew me and I was hosting all these big events. And and, you know, I came home to the padlock on my door. Now that had happened early in my twenties, my first apartment, just because I was not somebody, I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up uh, with those lessons. I wasn't really taught that how to handle money. So all of a sudden I'm getting, and I'm hosting these parties and I'm getting cash, lots of cash and I'm getting it and I'm spending it. And that was young twenties. And then like somewhere mid twenties, it happened to me again. Um, and was it just that you were forgetting to pay like, it was that, yeah, I was forgetting to pay. I wasn't organized. So I would 
literally my mailbox would fill up. You know, I was like a kid. I'm running around. I'm starting my career. Yeah, I'm pay- You know, I have, it's not like I have, I'm not in huge debt. So I have, you know, my regular car, home, you know, apartment, um, utilities. And, you know, you, you get your money, you spend your money. You say, oh, the rent was due last week. You pay it late. You, you know, I just kind of was all over the place. I was like, I was so just not organized. And so, you know, sometimes in life, you know, you don't learn the lesson the first time. For no, or reason. the second time. I wish I would have learned it the first time, then it wouldn't happen. But it happened the first time and I thought, oh, that was terrible. I'll never do that again. But that was like the only thought I had about it. I didn't bother to get some help. I didn't bother to learn how to, you know, um, I, I, I didn't do anything. I didn't change anything. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't change anything the first time. And then the second time I was a little older, I was still in my twenties, but you know, I just, it felt, it felt like I don't, want my, you know, mm-hmm. I have to get this together. I'm like, I'm a grown, I'm a real grown up now and this is not okay. So <laughs> in an effort to get yourself paid first, what are you doing? Yeah. What What are you changing? What do you mean? What habits have you changed? Have you put in systems? Are you automating things? Do you have a financial advisor? Like how are you, in, you know, advancing your, your financial situation? I have a financial advisor and we talk and meet all the time and he's constantly, um, you know, just making, talking to me about where my money's going. So I'm, con- I mean, I used to, I'm talking, I mean, this is, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I wouldn't even look at a credit card statement. Like I just pay it. I would, wasn't even aware of how much I was spending on restaurants or how much I was spending on hotels or, and so now I'm fully aware of everywhere my money goes and when my spending habits change, um, and so we do that. We have, you know, weeklies and monthlies and, and, you know, he, he, he advises me on terms of um, savings and good. good. Uh, yeah. So I'm better. I'm better. Yeah. It's not something that comes natural to me. And I'm, and I'm fortunate enough to have somebody that's helping me. Um, when but you know, it, I, I wish yeah. that, I wish that, and I'm trying to figure out how to make this better for my child. And I don't blame my parents or my mother because we just, it just wasn't of our culture. It was just something we just didn't talk about. And I think I want that to be different for my son. You know, I want him to have, to grow up before he has, makes those mistakes with an understanding of how to manage his money. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. When was the first time you felt really proud about a financial achievement or a decision that you made? Hmm. 
Well, I mean, you know, with buying your home, buying buying yeah. uh, buying a home is probably the first time that I felt. I just felt safe and stable and because now you have a plan. So you make this agreement. And no one can evict you <laughs> unless you just don't pay no a mortgage. And, right. Well, nobody but, wants that. But, but also <laughs> when you when you commit to a mortgage and you it's it's just you feel there's a there's a plan in place. It's not just kind of like, you know, you're paying the rent and then who knows what else. And, you, you know, when you have a, when you have a mortgage, it's yours. You own it. You're not going to get evicted. And it's also a plan in place. You've made a commitment to this amount of time and. You can build a future. Yeah. You build a future. So um, that felt really good. And that was in Miami? No, that was in New York. In New York. Even better because property values here just seem to keep going up. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that 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 was it. That was a good time for me. Um, But, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still... I, I sometimes I think so I think I rely on my financial advisor a little too much and I'm and I'm working on not doing that. Yeah. I remember seeing I remember I don't think Oprah does this anymore, but I remember Oprah saying that she signs every one of her checks. Um and I always was I, I always keep that in my mind. Not that I need to well not so much about signing the check, but just knowing where everything goes. It's knowing, true. It's true. Know. Even when I would follow around these I follow around a billionaire for for three days. And right. he knew the number to his his the, the direct dial to get to his financial advisor. He was opening up bank statements. I don't think I ever saw a bigger bank balance on paper. Wow. Uh, it was pretty big. And so I think that just speaks to the importance of no matter how much you make or how little you make, you need to, at the end of the day, be the one who's checking off that bottom line. Your industry, though, you know, entertainment and of course the hip hop industry, music industry, it's very lavish. There's a lot of spending. It it glorifies spending. How did that put some pressure on you in some ways? It did, especially like when I go back to like, you know, when I'm, when I was making those mistakes in my twenties, that it did, I was coming of age. I was finding my own voice. I all of a sudden had this platform and people were resonating and connecting to my show. And people were like, you know, I was having a, a great moment in my career and, and, I, you know, but I was looking around and people that I started with were already millionaires, you know, because they're artists, you know, I I was in New York when hip hop was coming of age. So I started my career in New York with Jay-Z and Mary J. Blige and, you know, all these artists that were, that came from similar circumstances that I came from. And I was just watching everybody, you know, become these millionaires like quickly. Um, and so all these people around me had all of this stuff. And like you said, like, you know, the hip hop lifestyle at that time, was, you know, cars and rims. and So your you friends know. are getting rich, very rich, very My, fast. Uh-huh. And, and you got to keep and, up with that. And you kind of got to keep up with it. And now when you, when you're held in a certain light, so now, oh, she's Angie Martinez from the radio. So when you, when you show up to the event or you show up to the club or you show up to the party that you're hosting or, you know, you want to show up in a nice car and you want to show up in a new outfit that they didn't see you and nobody's ever seen you in before. So you're spending a ton of money on clothes, overpriced clothes. You're spending a ton of money on. But people also give you things, right? That's part of the, uh, one of the perks of being a celebrity and famous. Yeah. You get get a lot of free stuff. That's one of the perks when you're like um, Julia Roberts or, 
you know, a certain level of celebrity. But when you're like a local radio personality having, a, <laughs> you know, and you're not really, you can't really keep up with that. And so no, no, it took me some time to learn how to do that too. learn how to when it's important and when it's not. I mean, we all like to look nice. We all like to have nice things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm way better. I think having a kid also changed how I looked at how I spent my oh, life. Oh yeah. You suddenly have like a real priority. Something outside of your world, like someone, another human being. There's another human being. And there's also, it it forces you to think about the future more. You know, when you're, when you're young and you're starting here, you're, you're running around, it's just about you and you don't even have a mortgage. You only have rent. It's easy to just kind of spend "Eh, next month. I'll get another check and it'll pay my rent. You know, you don't really think about the future, but then when you have children, there's all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, there's at some point there's going to be a college at some point there's, you know, he's going to need. And so I think. Just having that everyday thought of what does your future look like immediately changes how you manage your money. Have you uh, ever been concerned about making money? You know? I think I think somewhat, but not overly. Like I, I definitely am not driven by money. Um, I and I and I I rely and I count on my work ethic and my passion that I feel like I'll always be okay if I've ever had to downsize. I, I could. <laughs> I've lived mm-hmm. in, you know, I've, I've lived different ways and I've been happy different ways. So if I've ever, I, I feel comfort to know that if at some point I would have to downsize, I would be okay. And I also have comfort to know that I, you know, I'm driven and I, I work hard and I think I would figure, I would figure it out. So I don't know if that's like, blind. <laughs> or not, well, not you know, but- it's worked out. And, but I think, you know, I'm curious too, because as a woman in entertainment, uh, in your industry, similar to sort of mine, like I have an agent, I assume you have an agent mm-hmm. or a manager who, manager, who helps yeah. you negotiate oh. mm-hmm. your income. Has it been relatively easy and straightforward for you? Or do you feel like there's been pushback? And if there's been pushback, why do you think? Pushback on what? What do you mean? Earning more, you know, as sometimes we still talk about the gender wage gap, you know, yeah, um, know. has that ever come up in your career? Oh yes. I was now now remember I was I was given an amazing opportunity at a young age. You know, I was an intern that became a radio personality that became a afternoon drive radio per- you know, they gave me my career, my first station that I worked at. So I was wildly grateful. And so for a lot of years I was just so happy to be there that I kind of would take whatever they gave me. Um and that was fine at the beginning, you know, so it wasn't like, I, and this is going to sound crazy because I had been on the radio for so long, but it wasn't till I had my son. So I got pregnant and I went on this maternity leave and my contract was up and I wasn't financially set to not work anymore. I still had to work, um, but my contract was up. And so I didn't come back after my maternity leave. I def- I took a few months off. Um, and in the middle of that, my radio station changed general managers so when it was time and I was getting the calls like, hey, are you coming back to work? You know, it's time to come back to work. I I went there with a new attitude. I had been underpaid for so many years just because I was so happy to be there. And I always had this fear that if you get paid too much, that you'll be the first person to get cut when, mm-hmm. <laughs> when they start looking at where they're spending their money. So I was always afraid almost to make too much money. But I just got to a point where I started to have confidence and I started to um, understand my value. And I, and then also now I have a child 
And I just thought in that moment, like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm grateful. I've been, I've delivered. And now we're at a, we have a new general manager. I looked at it like an even playing field. I, I showed up and I looked at it like, I am here to do a service. I know my value. And now it's time for you to pay me that, or I will go somewhere else to find it there. Um, and that was so empowering for me. And the crazy thing is they gave it to me. It was awesome. No, I was worried that you were going to say they were, they were no, like, okay, they, smell you later. No. And you know, it was so easy. I mean, literally I, I, after maternity leave, my salary was doubled and, and I, and it made me realize, wow, how underpaid I must've been for them to give me that so easily wow. for so long. <laughs> you know, there was no, it was just kind of like, I, I went in there and I, you know, I'm maybe 30 now, 30, no, it's probably 32. And I just was like, look, this is what I think I'm worth. And I've been underpaid for long. You know, I just, and they just, my general manager was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, my mom has a saying that babies bring good fortune to families. Really? Yeah. It's kind of a, a saying in our culture. I mean, that what follows children is usually a lot of abundance and f- fortune and wealth. You just have to keep your eye out for it. Um, yeah. And you have to know that and you have to believe that you're worth it. Yes. You know, it's like if you kind of if you kind of walk around with, the, with you know with your with your head down and kind of, you know, I, I really got to a place and I think my son helped me do that where I was like I felt confident in what I in what I did and I felt you know, I started to kind of like own my voice and and realize its value and um and still humble and grateful but also aware. Well, you don't have time for bullshit. <laughs> Right. When you're a, yeah, when you're no, a parent, you just need to get straight from A to Z. Like, show yeah. me the, and you become very efficient at life. Yeah, yeah. I have it's found. So I have a son it's as so well. Um, when that happened, I thought I really did th- think like, why did I not do this five yeah. years ago? <laughs> but I have to say, you're really brave because I think just hearing the setup of that story, you were on maternity leave, so you were out of pocket. You were out of commission for a while. You have a new general manager. Uh, my thought was they're not going to go for it. You know, like they may have even discovered a way to, to work without you during your time. You know, that's the fear, right? As we take these maternity leave and we become um, irrelevant or it's hard for us to pick up where we left off. Whereas in your case, it was just the opposite, which is very empowering to hear. Well, I think my maternity leave happened, happened like my career was peaking and I was having an amazing moment and I had, you know, I just put this music out. I was just, you know, I, I, I raised my I, profile, I raised my profile and it was now becoming a national profile. So there was value in that for not just for myself, but also for, you know, the radio station. Of course. Um, so fortunate enough for me, I was at a really good point in my career when I took this maternity leave and yeah. And I think. I think honestly, I had to walk away for them to see my value. I think they tried to put people in to well to fill in for those couple of months, and you know they weren't having <laughs> the same results. Um, and I think, I think that showed them my value as well. You it's like to- walking. It's like walking away from a bad relationship. Well, that's they say that sometimes the best negotiation tactic is to be willing to walk away. You have yeah. to care, but not that much. Right. You got to care, but not that much. And so that you, that's leverage right there. It also, that comes from confidence. And I feel like I have that, that, it took me a long time to find that. It's the confidence to know that, you know, if I have, to, if I can get what I need here and if I have to walk away, 
I believe in myself. I believe in my talent. I believe in, in what I have to offer enough that it will, it will work out in another capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really empowering. And, um, you know, it, 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 for me, especially it's just, it's been, it's been a, it's been a great thing in my life when I, when I finally found that place and that confidence. I always ask guests on this show, why are you so money? I think that's the answer. I think you just gave it to us. Did I? Yeah. I mean, well, Excellent. how would you how would you answer it? If I'm I'm Angie Martinez. I'm so money because I love that by the way. I'm so money. <laughs> I'm Thank so you. money because I believe in myself and because I believe that I have something of value to offer to the world. And I think if your intention is good and you have something to offer, you will always find a way to make it, you know, you will always find a way to, to be okay. Well, we're going to end on that. Cause that's what better way that is. That's ending on a high note. Thank you. <laughs> so are you going to go back on the radio now after this? I am. I'm actually in LA. So I'm doing my show from LA today, uh, post the BET awards. Um, so yeah, after I talk to you, I'm going to go do my show and then, um, and have some meetings and yeah. <laughs> and, go, and go make some money. Go make some money. Go make that big money. Big money, big money. Angie Martinez, thank you so much. I have to tell you this before I go. So I'm sitting in my hotel room and I'm looking out the window and you know, Floyd Mayweather, he's the boxer. Um, his company is called The Money Team. And so as I'm talking to you, there's like five big vans outside that say the money team outside. Well, it was meant to be. The stars aligned for this interview. What can I say? This all means something. You're you're amazing. Thank you so much. It was so good to talk to you. Likewise. Thanks so much to Angie Martinez. Again, her radio show, The Angie Martinez Show on New York's Power 105.1 airs weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. Miami's The Beat 103.5 middays from 10 to 2 p.m. Her book is called My Voice. And uh, I really recommend it. So thanks so much to Angie for being a guest on the show. Thank you for listening. And by the way, if you have a question for me, you know, I love hearing from you. Fridays are Ask Farnoosh days. So go on somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, send me your biggest, baddest question, and I'll try to tackle it on the Friday episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in. And I hope your day is so money. Money.